I've uh, spent the last uh, few days in uh, St. Louis, um, which was really exciting. Uh, I was at our Council of uh, Health and Human Services Ministries of the United Church of Christ annual gathering. Uh, it was the 80th uh, annual gathering that they've uh, done. And so I got to connect with a few other organizations and ministers around the United Church of Christ. Uh, Reverend Jenny Brown Daniel, I don't know, you probably remember her. She uh, used to be the pastor of Plymouth here uh, in spring, uh, and we were actually having this gathering in her conference because she is now a conference minister. So she's over the churches, UCC churches in the Missouri South and uh, Illinois, I believe. Uh, it was a wonderful time. Uh, the first worship service took place on Thursday. And it took place at a place called the Deaconess Center. And I'm not sure if some of you saw my posting on Facebook, but there was you know, uh, a lot of drumming and dancing and stuff that was going on at this center. Uh, this center, the Deaconess Center, um, it was founded by the Deaconess Foundation, which at one point was a thriving ministry in St. Louis. And they actually owned hospitals and lots of assets. Uh, as time changed and things grew and you know, innovation comes about, uh, you know, uh, they decided to sell all of their assets. And so they were able to endow the Deaconess Foundation with about $80 million. So now that foundation gives out grants to uh, organizations in St. Louis. And the Deaconess Center is one of those places that received a grant. Uh, it was a center, or it is a center that'll open soon. We were there to dedicate it. Uh, it will soon open and they will create a space for collaboration among uh, children's ministries and nonprofits that are seeking to uh, change education, that are seeking to make changes in the juvenile justice system. All of these nonprofits will be housed at the Deaconess uh, Center there. Uh, the powerful point I want to make on this is that uh, it was very moving, the worship service that we had there to dedicate the space. Uh, the woman who preached, Tony Lapina, um, years ago, well, she's much older now, but when she was a baby, she was actually left on the steps of the building that once stood where the Deaconess Center was currently uh, built. Uh, and so it was a coming home for her, for her to stand up and talk about her experience and the value uh, that that center is going to bring, uh, specifically that no parent should ever uh, feel that their child is better off in somebody else's hands. So she gave a powerful testimony for that. And so I really kind of want to speak to kind of this idea and unexpected words and meanings that come to us in, in ways that we don't uh, really expect. So uh, please pray, pray with me. A gracious and loving God, weave my hand to the gospel plow and tie my tongue to truth. Allow me to see into the hopes, joys, and the fears of your people. And let us hear from you, the still-speaking God, in our midst. This I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. For a brief moment, let me shine the sermonic spotlight on a scripture that was read earlier, because I don't know if it really sank in with you, but it sank in with me, and it really sank in last night on my flight uh, back home, and I kind of had a little Holy Ghost moment on the plane. Um, but let me uh, go back to Paul's letter and highlight this phrase here. For while the Jews call for miracles 
and the Greeks look for wisdom, here we are preaching a Messiah nailed to a cross. Some versions would say Christ crucified. Here we are preaching a Messiah nailed to a cross. Messiah, Savior, Anointed One, Christ, nailed to a cross. Here we are preaching a Savior nailed to a cross. To the Jews, this is an obstacle they cannot get over. Footnote, not all Jews, because the Corinthian community is, they have Jews in the community, not all Jews. To the Jews, this is an obstacle they cannot get over, and to the Greeks, it is madness, because it makes no sense to the Greeks. This is in Corinth, there's philosophers, there's Stoicism and Socrates and all these wonderful philosophers that are there in Corinth. So to the Greeks, it is madness. But to those who have been called, whether they are Jews or Greeks, Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. I'd like to preach for just a few moments on a disruptive reversal. Hear these words from Frederick Buckner. Not my words, his words. The message that a convicted felon was the bearer of God's forgiving and transforming love was hard enough for anybody to swallow, and for some especially so. For Hellenized sophisticates, the Greeks, as Paul put it, it could only be seen as absurd. What uglier, more supremely inappropriate symbol of, say, Plato's beautiful and good could there be than a crucified Jew? And for the devout Jew, what more scandalous image of the Davidic King Messiah before whose majesty all nations were at least to come to heal? A convicted felon. Is it not true that he was convicted? Is it not true that that according to the Roman law, makes him a felon? Is it not true that he received the death sentence to go on the cross? That is absolutely absurd. We worship a loser. <laughs> a convicted felon condemned to die on a cross. That is why to the Greeks it makes no sense. Can you imagine in that day someone walking up to you saying you need to believe in Jesus Christ? Yes, the one that was convicted to die on the cross. He's ro he rose from the dead. It's similar to me saying can you believe in Bobby Sue, who was convicted to die a death sentence 
because she had a joint in her pocket. You need to repent and believe in her and be saved. Isn't that absurd? Would you believe anybody that said that to you today? But that is the message that is being preached in Corinth. This is the truth of the gospel for us. It is absolutely foolish to the Greeks, bizarre to the Jews, because the Jews were waiting on the Messiah that would come down out of the sky and, and bring this amazing war that would take down the Roman Empire. And now here it is that Paul is saying the Messiah nailed to a cross, a Savior nailed to a cross. It is foolish to the Greeks, foolish to the Jews to believe that they need to worship and repent and be changed because of a convicted felon labeled a Messiah and nailed to a cross. But what I like about this in this disruptive reversal is that it does something that Dr. King taught us about. Dr. King said, hate, love, is the only thing that can drive out hate. Hate cannot drive out hate. He said that nonviolence is the only thing that can drive out violence. Violence cannot drive out violence. He said something about darkness can only be driven out by light. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. In other words, in order for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be effective, it has to be opposite of the very thing that crucified him. In order for the gospel of Christ to do what it needs to do, it can't come with the same power that it left here with. In other words, military might and force and violence and oppression, that is not God's way. See, that's how Jesus got up out of here. But God's way to bring Jesus back was to do a disruptive reversal. In other words, it had to be something as foolish as worship the convicted felon. Christ crucified, the Messiah nailed on a cross. It had to be a reversal and a difference from what was done to Jesus. First, what is used as foolishness is the word of the cross. I said this during Lent, and I'll say it again. We have it hung up in every church across America, pretty much, a Roman torture symbol. But it only gains its power because we have created a disruptive reversal. We hang it up to proclaim that is not the final say on life. We hang it up to say that the power that sent Jesus away from us is also the power that brings Jesus to us. We hang it up to say that death does not have the final say. This is a radical reversal. It is a disruptive reversal of all norms. Second, what used to be valued as a staple of Roman culture, power. Jesus had no power. Jesus was among a powerless group. Paul is quite clever in what is being done. To lift up someone who is powerless, 
to lift up someone who is marginalized. Once again, it is opposite of what is happening in Rome. It could have been a senator, a governor, or somebody else that was crucified that brought the power of God in. But no, it was this possibly middle class to poor Jew crucified on a cross that creates the disruptive reversal of the kingdom, valuing different from what was valued before. It is absurd in this time for them to even believe, really, someone with no status? You're asking me, a Roman citizen, to worship someone with no status? You're asking me, an American citizen, to worship somebody that was arrested and put in jail for breaking the law? And then you tell me he rose again. <laughs> and lastly, what used to be dismissed as unimportant in society by Roman measures is now what is valued. If there was going to be a gospel that is effective, it had to be a gospel that came from the powerless and the weak. It had to be a gospel that grew out of the marginalized and the oppressed. The only way for the cross to be powerful is if we proclaim the Messiah Christ crucified. It is a different valuing system. It is a disruptive reversal of what the norm is. See, it's hard for us to understand it in our context because you know, now Christianity is flourishing and it's, it's wonderful and it's the American way and we love it, but this, it all started with a ragtag group of people walking around talking about Christ crucified. And for us to get back to understanding the difference of the gospel is for us to look to things like Lupina, who preached and talked about being left on the stairs of that building and that organization that is now reaching out to change the lives of children. If we are to proclaim a radical gospel now, we must look to those who have been crucified on the altar of life and American supremacy. If we are to look to the gospel to be proclaimed now, we must look to those who have been left behind and forgotten about. Therein we will find Jesus. Therein we will find a new way of being, a radical way of existing. Where are the weakest and the least of these among us? That is the power of the gospel. This is indeed quite shocking to me. And I can tell with some of the pensive looks on some of your faces, <laughs> you're a little shocked. But this is the truth. I can't change it. I can't tell you anything else different about it. It is Christ crucified. Foolishness to the Greeks, absurdity to the Jews. The way of the cross is not the way of power. The way of the cross is not the way of domination. The way of the cross is not the way of valuing what has been told to us to value in this society. We worship Christ crucified. Amen.